to Why I Vaccinate, brought to you by the Franny Strong Foundation and the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. I'm Ann Thomas, and I am here with my co-host, Veronica McNally. And Veronica, this show is all about giving. It's the month of December, and we're talking about giving the gift of vaccinations for our children, for COVID, for the flu, and childhood diseases. And we've got some really interesting experts coming up who have important information for us, and they really know what they're talking about. We are so lucky to be joined today by Dr. Natasha Bagdasarian, who is the Chief Medical Executive for the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. We are also joined today by Dr. Elizabeth Lloyd, pediatric infectious disease physician at University of Michigan Health CS Mott Children's Hospital. And finally, we're going to be able to talk today with a mom who is just just coming off of getting her two kids vaccinated against COVID-19, Melissa Astey. She's a parent and certified registered nurse anesthetist with Ascension. And you know, her story, Veronica, is really touching because She's in the hospital every day, day in and day out, and she's living uh, this COVID disease, the COVID infection, and uh, she knows what she's talking about, and she's got some scary stories. She really does, and I think that having parents hear from another parent about this experience with getting her kids vaccinated is going to be wonderful. An interesting and informative show coming up next. Why I Vaccinate, brought to you by the Franny Strong Foundation and the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. I'm Ann Thomas, and I am here with my co-host, Veronica McNally. And Veronica, on this show, we are going to talk today about giving and giving our children the gift of being vaccinated and being safe from COVID and the flu. And our first guest is somebody I am really looking forward to talking to, Dr. Natasha Bagdasarian, the Chief Medical Executive for the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. It's really nice to meet you. Well, thank you so much for having me on the show today. I'm very pleased to be talking about this subject. This is dear to my heart. I bet it is. Now, we know that the first childhood COVID vaccine has been authorized by the FDA and the CDC, doctor. Talk a little bit about what a difference maker that really is. I think for parents around the state and around the country, uh, this was an absolute game changer. Um, For those of us who work in this field, we were especially excited to be able to get our own children vaccinated. We're really looking at, especially here in Michigan, we're seeing community-wide transmission of COVID right now and making sure that our children are um, vaccinated not only protects them, not only stops outbreaks in schools, but it also reduces community transmission and helps to protect more vulnerable members of the community. So um, this is an absolute game changer. um, And I'm so thrilled that we have this additional tool in our arsenal against COVID-19. And how are you doing so far in convincing parents that this is a good idea? Well, um, slow and steady work. So what I can tell you is statewide, we continue to make headway. We continue to vaccinate more children and um, and make real progress there. When you look at our vaccine dashboard, 
We are at 16% of those age 5 to 11 have received their first dose. The, the dashboard has actually not been updated for a few days. The, the true number is actually closer to 20%. So we're making some real progress. Now, that number really differs by where in the state we're looking. So as we know, vaccination is not something that is um, consistent or the same across the state and across our population. It really differs by where people live, their um, beliefs, and, um, and also by age group. And one of the things that we're seeing with this childhood vaccine for five to 11 year olds is that there is higher uptake in certain counties mm-hmm. and lower uptake in other counties. And that's something that we really want to combat because we want all children all over the state, all over the country to have a chance to get this extremely safe and effective vaccine. How do you combat this? You know, what do you do to help parents learn more about this and make the decision to get vaccinated? I think conversations like this are really key. Talking about vaccines, talking about why we as parents choose to vaccinate. Um, So I can not only share my professional experience, um, I'm an infectious disease physician and infectious disease epidemiologist, and so vaccines are something that I... Um, study, and I understand the data very well, but then I can also talk about my personal experience as a parent and why I chose to get my seven-year-old vaccinated at the veriest, very earliest uh, date I possibly could. So I think having these types of conversations is really important. Seeking um, correct information from trusted sources in the community is really important. So for parents out there who are on the fence, I think that speaking to your pediatrician, your family practice doctor, speaking to your pharmacist, these are all good sources for vaccine information. Um, Facebook, social media, not always the best information being presented. And then I also think having conversations with friends and family members. So we're having this discussion today, um, you know, on uh on a very public platform, but I also have these same conversations with my friends and family members about why I choose to vaccinate. Now, uh, Veronica, I know that this is something, a subject that's very near and dear to your heart, and you've got some questions too for Dr. Bagdasarian. Hi, I wanna talk to you, Dr. Bagdasarian, about the conversation you had with your seven-year-olds and encouraging your seven-year-old to go ahead and get this vaccine. Do you have advice for parents about talking to kids who maybe are a little scared about getting that important shot? Um, I have a child who is very aware of the pandemic, and he understands that um, this is something that has affected his life and affected the lives of his friends. Um, And so he's very aware of the pandemic. He's also very needle phobic. Um, And so it took a lot of discussions with him trying to reassure him from the actual fear of getting a needle. And it's like that with every other vaccine that he has to get as well. Um, One of the things I found very helpful was when I got his um, second dose, I went to a pediatric vaccine clinic Mm -hmm. where they had a lot of tools to distract him. Um, So they had a a little device that they could put on his arm so he didn't even feel the needle. Um, So for, for me, in my particular situation, it wasn't so much about explaining about the disease and understanding the pandemic, because we talk about that all the time. Anyway, it was more the fear of needles that we had to overcome. But I think for every family and for every household, it would be different. Um, And so your conversation with your kids is going to depend on where they are, what their fears are, what their knowledge is, um, and just sort of coming to them with whatever information they need. 
I have a five-year-old, um, I'm sorry, an eight-year-old. And when he got home yesterday, he was bragging to his brothers that he was fully vaccinated. And he <laughs> he is obviously the youngest and uh, was just able to become fully vaccinated, but he was just really proud of that moment. So I know that that was an exciting time in our house. You mentioned the pediatric clinic where you took your, your child. Where else can parents get their kids vaccinated? Tell us about that. Yeah. So, you know, what we're trying to do statewide is just make it as easy as possible. So we're trying to make as many locations as possible available. So you can go to vaccines.gov and look for the closest site for you. There are lots of pharmacies that give uh, vaccines as well. There are some pediatricians offices that are offering um, COVID vaccines as part of routine immunizations. And then there are just designated um, vaccination clinics Local health departments are having pop-up clinics. So um, local health departments are doing pop-up clinics in schools and other locations after hours and on weekends. So there are all kinds of opportunities to get your child vaccinated depending on um, where you are um, in the state. And so the best thing to do would just be to look on vaccines.gov and look for your closest sites. But if you do have a child who's a little bit skittish around needles, um, I thought that having um, a pediatric clinic was a little bit helpful a little bit more helpful. The parents who would go and get their kids vaccinated at one of these other locations, maybe not their traditional doctor's office, but maybe they would go to a pharmacy or something like that. What can you tell them about the registry process? So in other words, how they can be sure that the record keeping is there for this Mm -hmm. vaccine? Well, all of our partners across the state are entering that information into MICR, which is our childhood immunization registry. So that information is going into MICR, but I think it's also really important to make sure that you've got your vaccination card. Um, It's important to take a picture of that, keep that on your phone so that you have just another um, additional copy. And then we now have ways that you can actually access your own um, immunization record through MICR online, and you can download that record for yourself. Um, So once it goes into MICR, um, you can access it whenever you go to your pediatrician's office or, um, you know, through your school when they're um, looking through your child's immunization record, it should pop up automatically. Can you remind parents, I know we've talked a little bit about this in the past, but can you remind parents what they would expect to see for their child after, immediately after vaccination? So, Children can have similar side effects to adults after vaccination. So you could feel a little bit achy, sore, especially achy around the vaccination site, um, headache, maybe even a little bit of a fever. Generally, children have been doing really well with this vaccine. So generally, those side effects and symptoms have been very mild um, in children across the board. And then, of course, in our clinical trials also, um, we know that side effects and adverse events from the vaccine, it was all mild symptoms. There were no serious adverse events reported, which is very reassuring. Dr. Bertisarian, what do you want us to know, families in Michigan, about getting our kids caught up on other vaccines? You know, I think childhood vaccination is something that has become very fraught. There are a lot of people out there who have all kinds of concerns, um, fears that seem to be a more recent phenomenon. Um, And those childhood vaccines that are recommended across the board, and we're talking about vaccines for things like measles, mumps, rubella, um, those types of vaccines are things that have been keeping our children safe for decades. 
Um, we, as you know, we ourselves as children received a lot of vaccinations. Um, it is something. These are these are um, probably the greatest public health tool that we have at our disposal. They prevent childhood deaths. They protect prevent childhood illnesses, they prevent outbreaks. So they're an extremely valuable tool. Um, and if you have concerns, again, about other vaccines, it's really important to talk to a trusted person to get your medical advice. So rather than going on social media, Facebook, Twitter, um, talk to your pediatrician. Pediatricians understand the data behind these vaccines. Um, and when you look at vaccine um, rates in physicians ourselves and in physician ki physicians' kids, we are vaccinating ourselves. We're vaccinating our children because we really trust the science and trust this technology. So these are life-saving tools. Um, and the risks, whenever a vaccine is approved, the risks of the vaccine are weighed against the risk of the disease. If the risk of the vaccine was greater than the risk of disease, that vaccine would not be approved. So the vaccines that have been approved are life-saving tools. Um, they're tools that are really keeping our communities and our children safe. And there's two right now that we talk about as being very important. Obviously, COVID-19 being one, even more important right now because of the variant, and also the influenza vaccine. Absolutely. What do you recommend on timing on those? Well, the wonderful thing is that co-administration is now possible. So you don't mm -hmm. have to go and wait for two weeks and then make another appointment and go back. You can get vaccinated at the same time. Um, what we're seeing with influenza is concerning this year. So last year, with both COVID-19 and influenza, people were using a lot of mitigation strategies. Sure. They were wearing masks in public, socially distancing, staying at home, washing their hands, doing all of the things that we'd asked them to do. And last year, we really didn't have an influenza season as a result of all the COVID practices. This year, we're seeing early signals that are telling us that influenza's back, and this could be a concerning um, flu season. And so the best way to protect against influenza is again to get vaccinated. And it's possible to get breakthrough infections with both COVID-19 and influenza after you've been vaccinated, but the likelihood of having severe disease and death is much, much lower. And Dr. Bergeron, we do have influenza in the state right now. Is that right? We absolutely do. We had a very large outbreak on a college campus recently. Um, so large, in fact, that we called in the CDC to help manage this. Um, so it's a concerning signal to see that level of influenza activity so early. And it's also telling us that people are relaxing on those other mitigation strategies. Mm -hmm. And that means more opportunities for things like influenza, RSV, colds and flus, other viruses, and COVID-19 to circulate. Doctor, as we're out and about during this holiday season, give us some tips on how we can be safe on top of being vaccinated. Well, as you mentioned, vaccination is our pillar. That is the basis of all our of our mitigation strategies. But then we talk about these layered strategies and putting other things in place to help protect us. And um, in addition to vaccination, given the amount of transmission we have in the state right now, wearing a mask, especially in indoor public settings is really important. So if you're going to the grocery store, if you're going to the mall, you're sending your kids to school, wearing a mask is an additional level of safety for them. And now I know a lot of people will be gathering over the holidays and that also brings some risk. So keeping your gatherings small, keeping them in well-ventilated places, 
And the other thing that people can do is test before gathering. Mm -hmm. So if you're having a family gathering and you'll be eating together, people will be removing their masks, testing before people come together regardless of vaccination status, is an additional level of safety, especially if you have children who are below that five-year cutoff and who aren't eligible for COVID vaccine. And before we let you go, um, how are you feeling about this newest variant? How concerned should we be? Well, it is definitely um, cause for preparation, um, and it's definitely something that we need to be mindful of. So we know that the, the new variant, the Omicron variant, has been seen around the country in over 17 states. We haven't detected it in Michigan yet, but we're keeping our eye out for it. Chances are it will be here at some point. And our early signals tell us that it is likely more transmissible than the Delta variant. And so that means we really need extra levels of safety this holiday season. Vaccination is the key. Being vaccinated, we think, will protect against those severe outcomes and death. So vaccination is key, not only for this variant, but for other variants that come. And vaccination also stops the development of new variants. So vaccination is the first key. And then those other layered mitigation strategies that we talked about. So wearing a mask, especially in indoor public spaces or crowded spaces, and then testing before you gather with people and come together is another level of safety. So um, we, we have to be mindful of this new variant and we have to prepare for it. And those are the ways that we need to prepare around the state. Dr. Natasha Bagdasarian, Chief Medical Executive for the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. Thank you for your time today and thank you for this important advice. Thanks for having me on. You are listening to Why I Vaccinate. We'll be back right after this. listening to Why I Vaccinate. I'm Ann Thomas. I am here with my co-host, Veronica McNally. And Veronica, we now welcome Dr. Elizabeth Lloyd. She is with the Pediatric Infectious Disease Department, University of Michigan Health, C.S. Mott Children's Hospital. Dr. Lloyd, thank you for joining us today. It's great to have you uh, as part of the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm uh, very excited to talk about this today. And Veronica, I'm going to let you kick off the questioning in this segment. That is great. Dr. Lloyd, I am really excited to talk to you about everything related to vaccine safety. So we have a lot of parents who listen, parents who have questions about vaccines, and we make it our mission to get them credible scientific information. So what can you tell us about vaccine safety? How does a vaccine come to market? Yeah, so there's um, it's a great question, and I think um, helping to understand sort of the development process of vaccines is actually crucial to um, kind of just understanding how the vaccines work and um, really being comfortable with the decision to get vaccinated and to get your children vaccinated. So there's multiple, multiple different steps. Um, in the vaccine kind of development process. Um, the first step is there's a lot of research that goes in even before a vaccine uh, is developed into learning all about whatever it is you're trying to vaccinate against. So um, the flu, for instance, or COVID, um, you know, learning about these 
um, infections to learn how we can uh, prevent them the best. Um, once there's enough research, um, the vaccines are able to be developed, and then they go through a, a series of different clinical trials. There's three steps to these clinical trials, um, and they're really designed to uh, make sure the vaccines are very safe, so they have a very um, close eye on all of the different side effects that can uh, happen after vaccines and making sure that nothing um you know, too concerning happens after vaccines, but then also uh, making sure that the vaccines are effective uh, and they're going to work the way that we expect them to. Um, so those are the three different steps of the clinical trials. They usually involve lots and lots of people who get vaccine, and then they compare those to people who get a placebo, um, which is basically usually an injection of uh, just saline, for instance. Um, and then they compare um, between the two groups um, as far as the safety and the efficacy. If the vaccine looks good, meaning that it looks like it's efficacious, it's going to work the way we expect in helping the body develop uh, protection against that infection. Um, and if we uh, see that there's not a lot of side effects that are concerning, then the vaccine can start being developed um, and brought to market um, and be uh, given to people um, in the U.S. and worldwide. Um, but even after that, we have a really close safety monitoring systems for vaccines um, that uh, can pick up any concerns really quickly. Um, and that's how we've been able to um, identify certain uh, side effects that may be associated with vaccines, but also how we can uh, be sure that certain side effects are not associated with vaccines. So there's lots and lots of ongoing safety monitoring, even after vaccines are done with the three steps in the clinical trials as well. That's really helpful. And one of the gifts of protection we're talking about this season is that influenza vaccine. And we've learned, I think as, as parents, I think we've learned a lot more about influenza because of this particular pandemic and protecting ourselves against respiratory disease. But how do you explain the importance of the influenza vaccine to parents? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. So influenza or the flu is a seasonal virus, meaning it comes around every year. Um, and for anyone out there who's listening who has had the flu, you know, it can make you feel pretty crummy. Um, most people do recover in time, but there are some people who have a risk of getting much sicker um, and sometimes even needing to be in the hospital, the ICU, and sometimes even dying from the flu. Um, and this in particular includes children less than five years old with the risk increasing the younger you get. Um, and then also children who have um, underlying health conditions. Um, they're at risk for more severe disease from the flu. And if you remember, there have been pandemics of the flu in the past as well. So we definitely know that it can cause problems that are not always um, necessarily expected either. Um, so for these reasons, uh, you know, I really recommend that anyone who is eligible for the flu vaccine, but certainly those people who are at high risk should get the seasonal flu vaccine every year. And at what age do kids begin to receive the flu vaccine? Uh, kids can get the vaccine if they are six months um, or older. And so I really recommend getting it as soon as they turn six months if they're in that flu season. What do you say to parents who have questions about the flu vaccine? How do you stress the importance to them? Yeah, and th that's a good question because I think a lot of people, um, you know, may have had the flu and didn't get that sick. And so they're not so sure that it's really necessary to put their child through that, um, you know, if they're just going to have a mild um, illness. But, you know, what I say is that I, you know, I'm an infectious diseases doctor. I'm in the hospital. I see children, um, including completely healthy children every year who are admitted um, with severe disease due to influenza. And that's something that could be you know, preventable. Um, and so, the, you know, there are always risks of any sort of medical intervention, whether it's a medication, whether it's a vaccine, a procedure. Um, and so it's important to know those risks 
But the side effects of the flu vaccine are really generally very mild. Um, you know, it's, uh, you know, some pain at the injection site, some redness, some swelling maybe. You know, they may not feel so great for a day or so afterwards. But compared to actually getting the flu, even if it's a mild case, you know, I think the, the benefits of vaccine certainly outweigh any of the risks. So I'm going to ask you two more questions. I think parents have, you know, those who research maybe are diving a little bit deeper on this. So can you talk about how many strains of the flu the vaccine protects against? Yes. So the current flu vaccine for this season is protected against four different strains. And there's a lot of research that goes into it. That's honestly beyond um, kind of what I do as a, a pediatric infectious disease physician. But the experts um, who are able to kind of track the flu can determine which are likely to be the most common strains. Um, and so people may have heard of flu A and flu B. Those are two of the different um, types of flu. And we make sure that there are um, there's protection against both flu A and flu B um, in every uh, flu vaccine that you get. And the strains that are chosen each year are really based on what those experts predict are going to be the most likely strains circulating. Um, so there's multiple layers of protection um, just in one shot. And those of us who have older children may remember the live nasal flu vaccine versus the shot, the yes. inactivated. Can you just touch on that really quickly for our listeners? Yeah, so there used to be a, um, and I actually got this um, when it was available, a nasal spray that was a live attenuated version of the flu, meaning it was a live virus, but it was weakened so that it really um, is you know, not able to cause disease, uh, except in certain cases in immunocompromised patients, for instance. Um, so that you know used to be available is not currently available. Um, so all of the flu vaccines that are available right now are inactivated, meaning you cannot get sick from them, which I think is, you know, people have this sense that the flu vaccine can actually make you sick, can give you the flu. And that is absolutely not the case. Um, the live uh, nasal spray actually theoretically could um, cause uh, some usually mild illness in someone who had a weakened immune system, which is why we didn't give it to those um, people. But uh, the, all of the vaccines that are available currently, they do not, um, do not uh, contain any live virus and cannot make you sick or give you the flu. That is great. I know Anne is a grandma, and I, she might have some questions for you, so I want to turn it over to her. Well, Doctor, we all know people who are reluctant to get either the flu vaccine or the COVID vaccine, and one of the things that they always say to me when I talk about vaccinations is, well, um, I know a lot of people that have gotten it. They've gotten the flu, and they've gotten COVID despite the fact that they're vaccinated. Can you address that? Because it, you hear it all the time. Absolutely. So no vaccine yet, at least, is 100 percent effective. None of them are. Um, and even though, you know, the flu vaccines are typically 50 to 60 percent effective um, and the COVID vaccines are even better, they're, you know, more like 80 to 90 percent effective. That does mean you can still get the flu or you can still get COVID even if you're fully vaccinated. However, the most important part is that it still protects against severe disease. It protects against hospitalization and it protects against death. So even if you get um, sick with, you know, the flu or with COVID, um, you're much, much less likely to have a bad outcome, which is really what we care about, um, it, you know, in general. And to kind of go a little bit further with that, you are a pediatric infectious disease expert. You're living this. You're seeing this, right? Yes. And so the unvaccinated are struggling. Yeah. 
So, you know, that is typically what we do see in the hospital. Far and away are the unvaccinated, not even just kids, but adults too. It's much, you're much more likely to end up in the hospital if you get sick, if you're unvaccinated. Dr. Elizabeth Lloyd, pediatric infectious disease expert with the University of Michigan Health CS Mott Children's Hospital. Thank you for your time today. Thank you so much. It was great to have you on the show. Really important advice. Thank you. You are listening to Why I Vaccinate, a parent's perspective coming up next. Thomas, and I'm here with my co-host, Veronica McNally. On this December edition of Why I Vaccinate, the theme is giving. And we're talking about giving the gift of vaccination to our children to keep them safe from COVID and the flu and other childhood illnesses. Our next guest that we are looking forward to talking to is Melissa Aste. She's a parent, mother of two. She's also a certified registered nurse anesthetist at Ascension in Novi. And Veronica, I'm going to let you start this questioning because you're both moms and you're both worried about all of these infections and diseases. Hi, Melissa. I'm really happy to talk to you today about vaccinating. Uh, Part of the I Vaccinate campaign is to have moms talking with moms about why they vaccinate. So that's what I hope to do with you today. Your kids are vaccinated against COVID. Can you tell us how you arrived to that decision to get them vaccinated? Well, I work in a hospital that was really heavily hit at the beginning of the pandemic um, arriving in our country. Our hospital was full to the point where we were converting our operating rooms to ICUs to use the ventilators. Um, And that was a really dark time for our family because we didn't really know a lot of answers to really hard questions. And so when mom went to work, I would be part of the team that was intubating the COVID patients and we would have to garb up in these huge spacesuit looking outfits and cross our fingers and hope that it was enough to protect us from bringing either getting COVID ourselves or bringing it home to our families. And um, through that, we had a lot of talk about um, what it would mean in the future to be able to get a vaccination and be a part of a hopeful end, or at least decreasing the numbers enough that it's not something that we're going to have to worry about every single day. So when I was eligible for a vaccine, our, my my family was super excited, and I was one of the first ones that got to get it in our family. And ever since then, my kids have been asking, when can I get it? When can I get it? In fact, my daughter, um, she's, she's eight, and when she turned eight in October, she was wondering if maybe she could get the vaccine for her birthday. So it's something that they've really been looking forward to and we're really excited to be able to get. And how old's your son? He's six. Okay. So what did they do on the day that they got the vaccine? Well, we were really fortunate that the school district that my kids attend school in held a clinic at the school and their peer groups have all been super, super excited about getting the vaccine. And it was really neat because they kind of all got to go together as a friend group (laughs) and get them together. And we have a big picture of all of them um, after their first vaccine. And they could not have been happier. I think there was a collective sort of sigh of relief that it's just one more layer of protection to help 
keep them and our community safe. When parents first heard about COVID, what we heard was that it really wasn't serious for kids. And as the months progressed and the Delta variant um, became more common, I think we saw that change. Kids could get vaccine and they could have severe disease from it. So what, what has been your experience as a medical provider and how has your experience in treating these patients impacted your view on kids? One of the things that I would say kept me relatively sane at the beginning of this pandemic was the fact that our kids at that time seemed relatively safe from getting, you know, sick enough to be hospitalized or die. And as we progressed through and we saw that the more we thought we knew, the less we actually knew. And there were so many constant changes about what was going on. So we saw that kids could get more and more sick from it. I just um, really relied on science and, you know, doctors like Dr. Bagdasarian and Dr. Lloyd to really be the ones to bring us as much information as we have at the time. And all we can do is make the best choices with the information that we have. But we, at least in my family, really trust science and believe that I'm not going to find my answers on Facebook. I'm going to find it from medical providers and people who are in there doing the research. So what do you tell your friends and family and anybody else you talk to who has questions about the vaccine? What do you tell them when they ask you questions about why they should get it? I tell them that I give them my experience. I see, I mean, I intubated a 27 year old healthy kid last night. I tell them that we are not through this and no one is immune and we don't really know why healthy young people are dying from it. And to be completely honest, as a new parent, I was really nervous and didn't feel super educated about vaccines. And I sat down with my pediatrician and asked the questions that I needed answers to in order to feel comfortable moving forward in the vaccine program that's recommended. And I've never looked back. So I feel like sitting down with people who have the answers to the questions that you're looking for is really important. So just to feel empowered to sit down with your pediatrician or whoever you feel confident in their medical knowledge and really ask the hard questions. So we always say that uh, having questions makes you a good parent. So thank <laughs> you for sharing that with everybody. I know that Anne has some questions for you too. Well, you know, uh, Melissa, some of the research that we have seen is the importance of the pediatrician and what a great role they can play in all of this because parents trust their pediatrician. Can you talk a little bit about seeing that yourself? I can. I think it's really, as parents, we live in a tough world right now because we have access to so much information where, you know, one or two generations ago, you couldn't just get on your phone and Google a question. So I think being able to make yourself vulnerable enough and give up some of the control of to depend on the professionals that know what they're doing and and giving yourself the grace to know that you're not going to have all the answers and you're not going to know all the information. You know, the other thing that um, I feel as a parent and a grandparent is that the vaccine kind of gives you a freedom to be able to go out and let the children go out and do things. And it's really important that our kids feel like life is sort of normal and that they get to go hang out and they get to go to parties and they get to be with their friends and 
go to school events. And I'm sure both of you are experiencing this. I mean, the vaccine, while not perfect, gives the kids the freedom they need. Some of this is about mental health, too. It is. And, you know, I was thinking the other day, my six-year-old has spent a third of his life in a pandemic. And I think kids are more resilient than we give them credit for. And they are navigating this a lot easier than some adults are. And I'm sure, Veronica, you're experiencing this too, you know, just yeah, no, the, the freedom associated with the vaccine. It's so true. I So, Melissa, I have a 14-year-old, a 12-year-old, and an 8-year-old, all boys. And they each, I think, felt some relief by being mm-hmm. able to get vaccinated and not have to worry every day as much. So I completely And being supported by their friends, too, who are all sort of in the same boat and moving through it together. Now, is there anything else that you want our listeners to know about your experience in the hospital seeing this disease each and every day, Melissa? It's terrible and it's ugly and it's still relatively unpredictable. And being young and healthy does not exclude you from becoming very, very sick and even dying from this disease. And there's just... We don't know enough yet. I think as time progresses, we'll know more. But what we can do now is get vaccinated, wear a mask, and wash our hands. Those are the tools that we have at our disposal, and it's pretty easy. (laughs) Melissa, what do you want to say to your colleagues who you work with about how they've handled everything and the work they've done over the last year and a half, almost two years? I can't express my gratitude um, to the healthcare workers, not just in this country, but everywhere. I think we joined healthcare with knowing that we wanted to help people. And we have faced things that we never thought we would have to face. And in my experience, we've done it with our arms around each other and cheering on our colleagues. And it's, it's been the silver lining for sure. And, you know, Melissa, uh, my experience with healthcare workers all throughout this area, all throughout the state of Michigan, really, is that they are angels in our midst. And you're one of them. And I really appreciate your time today. Thank you. Thank you. Melissa Aste is a parent of two, mom of two. She's also a certified registered nurse anesthetist at Ascension in Novi. And we really appreciate um, what she had to tell us today. Thanks again. Thank you. You've been listening to Why I Vaccinate, brought to you by the Franny Strong Foundation and the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. I'm Ann Thomas, and on behalf of my co-host, Veronica McNally, we hope you have a great day.